Let's talk about Riverside.fm, the leading podcast and video creation platform that's changing the game on how creators record content. Riverside.fm allows you to record studio quality audio and up to 4K video on their platform. Now you can interview a guest a thousand miles away and it'll sound like you're sitting in the same room. It's as easy to use as Zoom, but gives much higher quality audio and video recordings. Did we mention that they have a mobile app? This allows guests to connect directly from their phone and record content from anywhere. After your content is finished, you can easily grab clips to share them across your social media channels. So if you're looking for a hero platform for all your recording needs, from podcasts to webinars to other video content, you should be using Riverside FM. Sign up today so you can focus on your content and leave the quality to Riverside FM. Use promo code SHIPIT and receive a 30% discount on your first three months of your subscription. That's promo code SHIPIT to receive a 30% discount on the first three months of your subscription. Back to the show. Welcome to episode number 61 of the Giant Take Podcast. I am Josh and I am joined today in this episode, whoa, by my co-host Alex. Let's get into it. Bi-week episode starts now. Once again, welcome to episode number 61 of the Giant Take Podcast, the first bi-week episode of the Giant Take Podcast. This is a tremendous mark in the Giant Take Podcast history right now. First ever bi-week episode. We'll see how many there are, but we'll start right now in this first one. Alex, how are you doing today on this this very nice Wednesday evening we're recording on? This will be out Thursday morning, and um, you know... It's so weird not having the Giants play this weekend. It's like a very weird feeling. We had them pl- we had them playing on Thursday night football in instances. We had them playing on Monday night football as well. So we've, we've been able to experience the prime time games, but we haven't been able to experience the no game. So how are you feeling? Go ahead now. You know, it's disappointing, but I also don't have to get stressed about this weekend. I can sit back. I can relax. Um... You know, it's just a nice runoff tomorrow and Thursday night football when we're recording this. Um, you know, Seahawks and Cardinals, that'll be a good game. I'm excited to watch that tonight. Um, when we're watching when we're recording this, I've mentioned this. Yes, we're recording Wednesday night, as we've mentioned fifty times already. The NBA draft is here. Josh's beloved Knicks have moved up already from the twenty eighth to the twenty third spot for some weird reason before the draft even started. Um, so that's uh so interesting stuff here. I'm sure we're going to have some, uh, you know, discussion about that on our next episode. Just a quick little thing about that. <laughs> Maybe. Depending on whether I want to talk about the Knicks pick or not. I mean, we can go into that. But, you know, I... I sure. Okay. Now you kind of already just turned me off this episode because you mentioned uh, the New York Knicks draft. I don't... Uh, or the New York Knicks draft. It is the New York Knicks draft. The NBA draft where the New York Knicks are picking. Uh, no, I just, I'm not into that at all. Um, Graham Gano, we, I don't think we recorded in time. Graham Gano signed a three-year extension with the New York Giants, which is exactly what he needs. So he's positive, uh, in COVID as well. (laughs) 
he signs an extension and he gets a positive test result and a COVID test. Uh, and I think that was the uh, there. There's been you know stuff recently with negative tests and positive tests, um, where these rapid tests have been failing a lot. Uh, there, there's been instances around around around. Uh, wow, the United States, especially in sports right now with the NFL, and there's been a few players they're getting false positives. And I think we've seen this since training camp a little bit, but it's it's especially now with like the rapid test, which is weird. You would think they'd be getting better, but they're actually getting worse. And this one seems to be the correct uh, answer, though. I think it was a correct positive test. It was not a false positive. Um, and then today I saw from Jordan Ronan that punter Riley Dixon and long snapper Casey Kreider have been placed on the reserve uh, COVID-19 list. So this doesn't necessarily mean that they tested positive for coronavirus. It could just mean they're, you know, close or they're high risk, um, which I'm guessing that's what it is, or I'm hoping at least it's what it is. Uh, I think our first instinct, Alex and I, was that at least he tests positive during the bye week. So he has a good chance of coming back, hopefully by the game against the Bengals. But yeah, so Riley Dixon and Casey Kreider could have been exposed to COVID. We'll see how, you know, we'll see how it is. We'll see what happens with them. Uh, but, but for right now, we know that they are not, um, you know, they're, they're not with the team because they've been placed on this reserve COVID-19 list. And we'll see what happens with that. Our whole special teams is getting shut down right now is basically what I'm saying. The return of Aldrich Rosas, who knows? We'll have to see. Um, you know, that'll be an interesting thing if that actually had to happen, but um, yeah, Graham Gano should be back by the, you know, next game we play against the Bengals next, or what is it? Two Sundays from now. Um, it's shocking how this bye week thing works. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, hopefully he'll be back and he's been very important to our team, you know, player of the season so far. So, uh, we, we really need him. Um, and Riley Dixon also, uh, you know, needs to be here, um, because, you know, we need a punter. Uh, we can't have us going on fourth downs constantly, right? We need a punter. So that'll be important also. But the big news of t- uh, today, this, you know, the news broke kind of just before recording here. Mark Colombo has been fired by the New York Giants or most likely by Joe Judge, if not definitely by Joe Judge. Um, kind of a crazy you know, breaking news here because no one saw this coming. I like, I know Josh didn't like very surprising. You know, we were hearing stuff about uh, Mark Colombo wasn't so happy about the rotation that they're doing on the offensive line. He liked to set line up there. Joe judge um, disagreed with him. So he just didn't really want to go along with it. This is obviously what we're hearing. Um, kind of the rumors, nothing official. Uh, it's not like any of them came out and said this. But I think that, you know, they kind of just had a falling out and now he's gone. So interesting decision and the first change in the coaching staff um, since they were all originally hired. Yeah, um, <laughs> very surprising, as Alex has already mentioned. I think it was uh, upsetting. Um, you know, I, I when I first heard the news, I got very upset. I, I was not happy with it. I, I think it was a stunning fire. Um, as Alex said, very surprising. No one expected it. And at the time of the firing, uh, I texted Alex this and I said, you know, with such a young offensive line, right? And it looked like they were improving week by week. Um, you should have one stable offensive coordinator or offensive line coach, I should say, um, there to help them practice. Because if you have 
uh, you know, multiple offensive line coaches, they're going to, they're probably, they're most likely going to have different tactics, right? Meaning that the players are playing on the offensive line will have to learn different tactics, uh, you know, from what this said coach wants them to practice. And the more routines and different things that they learn, the more, the, the more it can affect the play on the field. And if, if, you know, I would say this new coach, who, which I'm not even going to try and pronounce the name, see if Alex can help me out with that. Um, I don't, it doesn't seem like he can either. Um, I'm not, but he's been with the Giants for a little bit. He's an assistant on the Giants, and anyway, the, he has to stay with them for a few years now, or I would like him to. If I mean, unless he's awful, because this this young offensive line, is especially uh, Matt Paird and Andrew Thomas in our 2020 draft class. You know, Nick Gates, um, Shane Lemieux as well. Don't want to forget about him. You know, they need repetition, and I think they won't have that if they keep on switching coaches. So let's just hope that for right now that, um, that you know, this, this guy stays, right? And I was trying to pronounce his name, but it wasn't happening. But what, one thing I do want to say here, and these are all, like, conspiracies. We have no idea what the heck happened right now. Two things. I think... Uh, or number one, this is true. Mike Garofolo did report, uh, if you don't know who that is, that's NFL Network, uh, NF- NFL reporter, uh, tweeted out, I believe, a few days ago before the firing that uh, due to the poor performance, or this could have been weeks, I just know this happened, um, this was brought up again due to the, the Mark Colombo firing, that Mike Garofolo reported that um, that Joe Judge was taking over the offensive line a little bit, which is Belichick-ish, you know, Bill Belichick, because he'll, he'll take over all these little parts in the in the game. He took over the offensive line stuff, which you can, you should be able to work in your own mind. Oh, okay, you know, that, that that's Mark Colombo's role. So he started, Joe Judge started to take over um, the role of the offensive line, and, and he imposed whatever he wanted to do there. That This is what I've heard from, from Mike Garofolo. Uh, and then apparently this is, this is the, the very much rumor that I have no idea if it's true or not. Mark Colombo and Joe judge got in a fight, which began with words and then ended in fists. Then this is all rumors and speculation. And apparently Mark Colombo came up on top because Mark Colombo is a, a big guy. You know, that's why he's the offensive line coach. And he was then fired on the spot by Joe judge at that point. Now, this is all swirling around. This is all speculation. I heard it today on, you know, WFAN. I heard it today. Or, sorry, I read it today in multiple articles on the Mark Colombo firing. Heard it from a Fox Sports reporter. I forget the guy's name now. Um, Art Sableton tweeted it out, too, a few hours ago, saying, I'm told by numerous sources that there was no fistfight between Joe Judge and Mark Colombo. Absolutely false in every way. So that throws it right out the window. That's just a rumor that 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 I saw swirling around. Anyway, Mark Colombo is not a jo- the Giants' offensive line coach anymore. We have now moved on from him. Whether it was a fist fight with George Joe Judge or not, <laughs> and now we have a new guy. So let's see if I can get this here. Dave DeGuglielmo. The googly, I, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassing myself right now, so I'm going to stop talking. Alex, 
We're just going to refer to him as Dave. Um, I think that'll just be easier. Uh, Coach Dave. Um, yeah, you know, we are hearing about his past. He was the offensive line coach um, for the 2018 Colts, um, who had one of the best offensive lines that we've seen in recent memory. So that's obviously a good sign. But, uh, you know, hopefully Dave is qualified and, you know, we just need to hope that Joe Judge knows what he's doing and not, you know, overreacting because of a little fist fight. Um, by the way, I'd take Joe Judge every day in a fist fight. I don't care. He could he could be going up against Floyd Mayweather, and I would take Joe Judge. What do you think about that? I, that's that's what I think. <laughs> I can't believe you're phrasing that. This is this is the bi week thoughts as it goes through our heads here. Um, what do you what do I think about that? I mean, I wouldn't. I don't know. I have no answer to that question. I mean, do you have an answer to that question? I'm just saying I wouldn't want to fight Joe Judge. Obviously, Mark Colombo, apparently, in this... Well, he does, obviously. Apparently, he does. Allegedly, this, allegedly. No, it's not even allegedly. I don't think it happened. You know, there are there are more sources that are turning it down, and especially Art Stapleton, who specifically, like, said very wrong. He was like, no way. He said uh, absolutely false in every way. So... And and so the, there's sources that are coming out that are saying it's true, and then the sources that are coming out and saying that it's false are saying it's 100% false. Like they're they're making sure you know it's false. So I think it's false, but I just wanted to bring it up because how funny would that be if there was a fist fight in New York? Oh my god, that would have been during COVID too. Like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna they're gonna take the other per- you're gonna hold the other person's COVID mask and rip it off their face. Like, I don't know what you're what you're trying to do here. Um. So so that that's just what came into my mind. That's why that's why I was thinking about. It. And then Alex took it a complete different way, and then carried it into a boxing match here. You know that that they should you know what they should do? Joe Judge versus players, like a player. Like they choose a player. All right. So it's like Joe Judge versus a player. And then all the other players come up with a good amount to bet on the boxing match. And they just keep doing that. That's a good bonding experience. That's a, I'll throw that up to Joe Judge if he wants to try that. Anyway, I think let's move on from that because I have no idea how far we can get here. And uh, we'll move on to the NFC East uh, standings predictions that I did mention last episode. Basically, it's uh, both Alex and I just have it coming down to the Eagles and the Giants. So we're going to go through their schedules uh, for the rest of the season. And we'll let you know because we did put our uh, Washington football team and Dallas Cowboys in there. But we're going to just tell you for right now what we have here um, in these in these between these two teams each week. So I think we'll start out since it is a Giants bye week. We have the Cleveland Browns facing the Philadelphia Eagles this week. Uh, for me, I have the Philadelphia Eagles losing to the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I have them losing also. I have them losing almost every game, um, actually. So I I don't think they're going to be able to do much besides, obviously, we'll get later into their schedule where I think they might get a win or two. (laughs) All right, so I have them. I mean, I don't even think we need to go through these games. We both had them losing to Seattle. They played the week after that. Green Bay, New Orleans, and Arizona. All of those games. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Yeah, (laughs) I, I don't think there's... I wouldn't say there's a question for that. I then have them beating Dallas and Washington the last two weeks of the season, and that's going to bring their record to a 6-9-1 and record. 
and I think that's how they end the season. So you only have them getting two two wins out of their final group uh, final games. I believe I do, and I think that wouldn't make sense now. Yeah, I believe that would give you a total of five, ten, and one here. Again, we are not a math podcast. So I think I had them actually beating the Browns. Oh, you had them beating the Browns. I did have them beating the Browns. Thank you, Alex. One, interesting. Um, I don't have them beating the Browns, and I'm going to have them at five, ten, and one. Um, with those two games at the end of the season that Josh mentioned, that I think they will get the win. Going to the Giants schedule now. Um, for me, the only games I have them winning. Um, are the next game against the Cincinnati Bengals after this bye week and the last game of the season against the Dallas Cowboys. Josh, do you have a – I know we have the same record, so I'm assuming uh, you have the same games that the Giants are going to win. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Alex. I do. I think that it comes down to the first game right out of the bye week and the last game. Uh, against the Dallas Cowboys because they always seem to do well on week 17 when we don't want them to and we want to get a better draft pick they do well and they win Um, so if you want to go week by week it's basically the same schedule we play the same opponents besides the Saints the Saints and the uh, the the Saints and the Ravens are not in our schedule and Green Bay too so we play basically similar teams that the Eagles do uh, to finish out our season, which makes sense. We're both in the NFC East. But anyway, it's the Cincinnati Bengals, Seattle Seahawks, Arizona Cardinals, Cleveland Browns, Baltimore Ravens, and then the Dallas Cowboys to finish out the season. So my final score, final score, my final prediction record for the New York Giants is 5-11. and 11. Alex has that as well. And that means with that game and the Giants uh, ending at 5-11, and 11, which we think is a pretty realistic Score, or record, well, I keep on saying score, they will miss out of the playoffs. They will miss They will miss the playoffs. And I just think... Just barely, for me. Just barely. Just, just by barely. Time. Yes, sorry. Um, For Alex, it's going to be... It's a... um. What is that? A half game. They miss by a half game. Both the Eagles and the Giants um, end with five wins. But because of that tie, and I swear, if it comes down to this freaking tie... This tie. Ties in the NFL suck, number one. Ties that lose you the division are going to suck a little bit more. The tie with the the Eagles and the Bengals in the beginning of the season will win them the division for Alex by a half game. For me, it's a game and a half, so it's a little bit of a different scenario. For Alex, it's a half game. So here's the deal. And I think we should go through this now to basically, I, I think... Since this is the thing, it could go it could go many ways, but I think for the Giants to to be confident and making the playoffs, they need to beat the Bengals, and that's a toss up game too. We're just giving it to them. Alex, are you giving it to them? You're giving it to them, right? Yes, yes, you're giving. Yeah, it. I'm, I'm giving it to them, and also, so we're putting down the Cowboys and the Bengals as kind of like gimmies, which they're really not, um, especially for this Giants team. But I think the key thing is in those games, the Browns. Ravens, Seahawks, Cardinals, we have to win one of those if we want to make the playoffs, in my opinion. We've got to win one. It's going to have to be most likely the Cardinals. Maybe the Seahawks, they continue their bad form. Maybe the Ravens, if they continue their bad form. Luckily, some of these bigger teams that we are playing are on not-so-great form right now. Um, But besides that, you know, it doesn't look good. We're going to have to somehow, somehow snatch one of those games um, away from, you know, the – uh, expected winner. Yeah, Alex just took all of my talking points, so now I have nothing to say. 
I don't know why he's clapping about it. That's upsetting for me. Uh, but yeah, so wow. Now I'm and now I'm gonna seem like a person who copies people. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they need to win at least one out of the one out of those four games. And like Alex said, this is so bad now. Like Alex said, the Seattle Seahawks uh, are not playing well right now. Their defense looks very unstable. So this could be a high-scoring affair against them. We have no idea. I mean, we saw it with the Cowboys. When the, when, when the Giants go up against a bad defense, they're able to score points. But we'll see. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, I think they have no chance of beating. We saw what happened. Their, their defense has been very good and up and down. Uh, played a high-scoring game against the Bills. That ended on a DeAndre Hopkins wonderful catch in the end zone. Cleveland Browns, that's a game they can win. We just don't have them winning that game. I think the Browns have a better offense. Giants have a better defense. So we could see what happens there. I think the Ravens, they have no chance. I feel like they'll... The thing is, though, by week 16, if the Ravens win most of their games going up to that point, they could be benching like a Lamar Jackson at that point. It's it's unlikely compared to last season because they were much better last season. But if they win all their games going up to that point, you could definitely see a, uh, an RG3 in that game you don't we don't know for for sure but it, either if they're really good or they are very bad at to that point or they could just be mediocre we'll see um i i wouldn't say that's a toss-up game but i i feel like there's more percentage chance that rg3 would come into this game than a percentage chance of a giants of an of a giants win <laughs> If you, if anyone understands what I'm saying here, what I'm saying is there's more of a percentage chance that the Baltimore Ravens will win all of their games going up to this one than the Giants have a chance winning this game itself. To be honest, interesting. Uh, we'll have to see. Um, but as Josh mentioned, this game against the Bengals, um, two Sundays from now is critical. If we don't win, we have no chance. Sorry to break it to you, Giants right. fans. And we need to win every single game that we have a chance of because these games. And I mean, it's the same thing for this weekend against the Eagles. We're going to be watching that very, very closely. Eagles versus the Browns. Because if the Browns lose this, win this one, it could be. And and we win on Sunday, uh, two Sundays against the Bengals. We could have way more of a chance than. We, and I think that's you know obvious. It is, but and then hopefully our NFC East rivals could sneak a win, either Dallas or Washington. And who knows, maybe in that week 17, that Washington game could actually be crucial for them. They could be playing for something for all we know in this NFC East. It's crazy right now. But Washington could be playing for something at that point. Um, anyway, that's going to be it for the for the top two teams. And then I'll just finish it out here. Washington football team for me goes 3-13 and and the Dallas Cowboys go 2-14. and They Yes, they don't win. I don't want them to, but they probably will. They, I have them not winning another game this season. I have Cowboys going four and twelve and Washington three and thirteen. I think this division is going to come down so close. I think everyone is going to be right in the mix of things till the final day or the final day or two or week or two of the season. So I think it's going to be interesting. Um, and it's really going to be a toss up. And I, I don't count out the Cowboys. They still have an amazing offense. Um, Andy Dalton's definitely no slouch up there. You know, obviously they had Ben DiNucci there for quite a bit, and he you know didn't work out so well. Um, so I, I can yeah. see them better and, you know, Washington too, uh, good defense there as well. So, you know, we can't count any of our other, uh, divisional foes out either. So it'll yeah. be important to, you know, watch all these games and make sure that 
you know, Cowboys lose, Washington lose, and Philadelphia lose. <laughs> Everyone loses, except for the Giants. Except for the Giants, of course, the NFC East. Now it's time to make fun of me. On October 16th, I posted an NFC East final prediction, final standings prediction article. Had the Cowboys going 8-8. Eight and eight. There goes that one. Eagles 6-7-1. and one. That could possibly still happen. Why does my math seem wrong there? 6 7 1. That is not correct. <laughs> that is actually way off than correct. Josh is predicting that the Eagles will miss two games this season. They're going to be partying. How and did not- we not change that? All right. <laughs> That's good. Giants 2 and 14. So there goes that one. And then the Washington football team 2 and 14. And I still haven't gotten over that the Eagles are missing two games this season. Anyway, I did mention last episode that we were going to have a very special guest on for this episode. Uh, you know, someone interesting to talk with us during the bye week. It is um, NFL and college rules analyst for Fox, Dean Blandino. So we'll have that coming up right now. And uh, yeah, well, l- let me fix that uh, six, seven, and one, six, seven, and one little thing. <laughs> All right, let's go right to our interview with Dean Blandino. Well, we mentioned it earlier. We are back now with a very special guest, Dean Blandino. He's on Fox Sports, and he covers the um, NFL and the uh, NCAA football. He's a rules analyst for them. Dean, how's it going today? I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. We're doing good. We're happy to have you on. We're happy to to talk about yourself. And first, I want to start out by asking you kind of how you got into rules officiating, because there's always the people who, you know, want to be... Um, you know, in the NFL, and you you obviously were one of those people growing up, but then kind of veered towards something like this. So I was so I want to ask about that first. Yeah, it was an interesting journey. I, I grew up, um, you know, I grew up in New York. I grew up a Giants fan. I, I love the NFL. Uh, played football, just loved the game, and and you know wanted to stay involved in sports in in some way, shape, or form. I didn't know what that looked like. I I sent my resume when I graduated from college. I had a communications degree, um, had some some background with video production and TV, but I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I just sent my resume to the NFL and uh, just seeing what they had. And they had a couple of internships and I went in and interviewed and they had one in officiating and I interviewed and uh, they um, offered me the position. And I didn't know anything about officiating, but I thought, hey, it's the NFL. I want to get my foot in the door. And, uh, and I learned the game. I was, I was basically editing tapes, assisting in looking at statistics and doing anything I could possibly do and learn the game from an officiating standpoint. And, uh, and really, they hired me full time the next season. And uh, it, my career just kind of went from there. So working in the NFL and for the NFL, like what you know, it's kind of something that Josh and I, you know, both kind of dream of doing one day or something in that vicinity. Um, like, what was it like? Were you kind of starstruck when you joined or like, kind of like, oh, my childhood dreams just been fulfilled? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I still remember, um, you know, getting the phone call about, you know, getting the internship and I was so excited and, and, you, you like, like you guys, you grow up and it's the NFL and this is so amazing and football and, 
and then um, then you kind of get there and you realize, okay, this is a job. This is a lot of work. Um, I, I want to learn as much as possible. And there are so many cool things about it because how many people get to say they watch football to, 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 for their job? That, that, that's not a lot. And I feel so lucky and blessed to, to have been able to do that and continue to do that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing when then you're surrounded by, uh, you know, people from whether it's coaches or players and you get to meet these different people. It, it was just, it, it was an amazing experience. And uh, yeah, although I just always feel like I, I was so lucky to have that chance. So in 1999, uh, you were asked to kind of go over instant replays when they were first brought into the NFL. So I want to ask about that, uh, especially because you were able to manage the program itself for for six years and also be a part of it uh, in, I think it was multiple Super Bowls, two Super Bowls, right? Yeah, yeah. So in 1999, and we had been studying it, and the NFL had a replay system. The first replay system was from 1986 to 1991. And if you could think, and you guys won't remember this, but the, the technology was basically two VCRs and, and it was two VCRs recording the game. And, and on a VCR, if you wanted to go back and look at something, you had to press stop, rewind it, um, find that place on the video. And it was just, it, it didn't work. It, it, it lasted five years, they voted it out. It took too long too many stoppages to the game. So in 1999, the technology got to the point where it was all digital, similar to what we see now, where you're watching video on a computer and, and, uh, and we just were capturing the, the, the television feed, digitizing it, and we could jump from, from angle to angle and do it quickly. And so I was heavily involved in that in 1999. And then I became a replay official for a couple of seasons and then ultimately um, was in charge of the, the program, which was a great learning experience for me and, uh, and has, has been something that has helped me in every, every step of my career. So after that, you return, you know, uh, back to the NFL, you stopped uh, working there for a little while and came back. So it, what was kind of that like, you know, leaving the NFL and kind of starting your own thing? Yeah, that was it. Was something that I'd, I'd always wanted to do. I loved the NFL, and I was, um, you know, I was doing well within the officiating department, but uh, I had never officiated. You know, I never refereed on the field, so it was going to be difficult for me to really to to progress in that in that department. And uh, and so I had an opportunity to leave the NFL and start my own my own business, which was basically consulting and working with a lot of the college conferences and helping them um, with their replay staffs and the technology vendors and and really just teaching and training um, on the officiating side with a lot of the college conferences. Continued to work with the NFL as a consultant, and then uh, that was 2009, and then in 2012. Um, had some more conversations with the NFL. They wanted to bring me back. It made sense at the time. And, uh, but it was a great experience for me just getting outside of the NFL because really that was my, my first job out of college was the NFL. And uh, so I hadn't experienced anything else. And that was a good learning experience for me to kind of be on my own and, and do my own thing. But then I went back to the NFL um, after about three years. So, I want to go back a little bit because you mentioned that you grew up a Giants fan. Now I, I went over that a little bit, but you know, this is a Giants podcast. So, I mean, we have to ask, 
Yeah. As much as you're an analyst for the NFL itself, are are you when when you're called into a Giants game, are you gonna have are you are you leading a little bit towards the right call for the Giants? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because yes, I mean I grew up a Giants fan, big Giants fan, my entire family. I mean, I grew up watching, you know, my earliest memories were Phil Sims and Joe Morris and Lawrence Taylor and Mark Barbaro. And, and I remember the 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 Super Bowl against the Broncos and then the wide right game against the Bills and, and, and everything else. When I started at the NFL, when I was working for the league office, I learned right away that those kind of that team allegiance, it goes away pretty quickly because it's a job, you're an officiating, it's, you know, you're impartial and you start to see things behind the scenes. And, and I, and I started looking at the game differently and I, and I, I really, became less of a fan and more just focused on the officiating. Now that I left the NFL and now I'm with Fox sports, I find myself being more of a giants fan going back to, you know, my youth and, 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 and while I'm on the game and I have to, you know, there was a call this last weekend again in the Eagles game where Boston Scott, you know, ruled a touchdown was his foot out of bounds. Um, and, you know, I was looking at it very objectively. I thought the foot was out of bounds, but agreed that, that it wasn't clear and obvious. So I always put that aside when I'm on the air, but I find myself um, cheering for the Giants more that I'm not part of the NFL anymore. So this season obviously has been kind of crazy with, you know, the pandemic going on. How has that been different, you know, while working for you, like in terms of your experience? Um, I, I know you usually come in through from a different location from the, you know, announcers anyway, but how does that work? Yeah. So for me, location wise, it hasn't changed because I'm always, I'm always in the Fox sports studio on, on game days. And I've been that it's been that way for the last couple of years. So that hasn't changed. Um, what has changed is obviously like everywhere else, the, the health and safety protocols, you have to wear a mask. I get tested um, you know, every week, sometimes twice a week, depending on how many, how many times I have to go to the studio. So all of that just has become part of the normal routine, um, social distancing in the studio. We used to have probably anywhere from, from 10 to 12 people in our, in our area on game day. Now, um, that's limited to six people just because of the distance and the spacing. So from that perspective, it's different, but, but I, I'm lucky. I, I, it hasn't changed much for me in terms of going into the studio because that's what I've been doing the last couple of years. So I want to also ask you too, because you were saying that um, in college you studied communications, but you went into the NFL and then making the decision to go on to Fox and kind of fulfill that role of, of being on TV, which mainly people who study communications go on to do is, is work somewhere um, in TV. So like how is... How is that making the making the decision to um, you know be a rules analyst for Fox Sports? Yeah, it definitely. I always knew just having that you know what I went into in, in college and got heavily involved in television production, both behind the camera and in front of the camera, and I always knew that that TV was going to be something that I might want to go into at some point. Um, took a little bit of a different term with officiating, but I was doing a lot of video work, editing, watching film, so so it was definitely related. And then the opportunity came up with Fox Sports. Um, and at that time, this was 2017. It just made a lot of sense for me um, and where I was professionally and, and personally. And, and, uh, and I just felt like it was an opportunity that was too, get, too good to pass up. But definitely my background 
um, in school has helped me understand kind of some of the things that happen uh, on, a, on a TV broadcast? Um, so this season, you know, we've seen some differences in the officiating um, and certain calls being uh, called more often, less often. So what, what do you think about that and which ones especially are standing out to you? Yeah, well, I think overall, um, what stands out is we're seeing less less penalties being called, less fouls being called, and 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 I don't necessarily think that's that's a bad thing, especially this year. Um, you know, you think about the off season; there really it was a completely different off season. You couldn't get together. The officials they normally have a, a an in person um, training camp. They normally are at team training camps and OTAs and things like that. They're working preseason. We didn't have any of that this off season. So um, going into the season, it was, uh, you know, you were going to call less fouls. It was more of a clear and obvious standard. Um, we're seeing a lot less offensive holding calls. Um, I think, you know, on one hand, it's good for the game in that you don't have a lot of flags. So the game isn't interrupted too much. But I think if you let if you let too many offensive holds go, then then that can become problematic. The defense gets frustrated. That that offensive and defensive line gets more aggressive. That play and sometimes that can lead to other things. Um, I think the officials are doing a great job considering everything that went into just having a season. And knock on wood, we're we're through ten weeks. Hopefully, we can get through the rest. Um, so I think you know nothing really jumps out other than just the total number of fouls being down. And, and being down pretty, you know, significantly, I think that's something to continue to watch for. Um, is there a certain play that you can think of that was like the biggest that you've thought about, whether it was, you know, in the NFL when you were with the NFL or um, kind of dissecting it on Fox? Well, you know, when I was at the NFL, probably, you know, I was in the replay booth for, for every Super Bowl from about ooh, 2005 on. So, so there were so many big plays. Um, I remember um, Arizona and Pittsburgh, Santonio Holmes catch in the corner of the end zone to, to win that game. And that was a really close play. Um, Giants, I remember um, the David Tyree, the helmet catch being in the replay booth for that. that that's a play that stands out even in the, in the second Super Bowl versus the Patriots, the Mario Manningham catch at the sideline. That was another one. Um, my last Super Bowl at the NFL, uh, the, the, the Falcons and the Patriots with the unbelievable comeback, Julian Edelman made a great catch uh, in the fourth quarter. I remember that play. So there's so many plays that stand out. One that I'm always associated with because it was more controversial, the Des Bryant play against the Packers in the playoff game in 2015, where I still get people tweeting at me that Des caught it. Um, so yeah, those are a couple of plays that stand out over, uh, over the, my time at the NFL. And, and you talk to no, just like one thing I want to mention being like an, you know, Giants fan and no interacting with fans from like the NFC East. It's always, you always interact with the Cowboys fan and they always mention like when they're talking about Des Bryant, they're like when Des caught it. Like that's what they, that's what they reference it as. hundred percent. And what I love and look, and I, the Cowboys fans are, are, are great and, and they, and we go back and forth, but they kind of, they, they make that play out, which was the right rule at the time. They make that play out that, that, that play cost them the Super Bowl, And it was, Hey, look, that was a divisional game and it was still four minutes to go. That wasn't, you still had to go 
beat Seattle in the championship game, and then beat New England in the Super Bowl. So there was a lot of football after that play. All right. So uh, one, one more thing I want to get to is just to ask, because you were saying you're in the studio now um, through the whole time on Sunday. Is it just, you know, you're going... I want to know. So what's it like? What's it like in the studio? You have all the screens in front of you and you're just jotting down notes. And then when, when the guys need you, you just kind of, you know, you're, you're sent in there and you, um, you let everyone know what the deal is. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a great setup. We have um, a big, a big monitor wall that has, that has um, six different screens and you can see, so you can have up to six games on that monitor wall and you're watching it. And then there's individual stations that have each individual game. And then I've got uh, a, a touch screen in front of me and I can jump from game to game just by tapping the screen. And we also have a, a, a jog shuttle wheel that you can run the video back and forth. So I can go slow motion, I can go frame by frame. And I've got an earpiece in my ear and I can communicate with anyone. If the Giants are playing the Eagles, I can communicate with the producer in the truck. And uh, if the Rams are playing the Seahawks, I can communicate with that producer. And so there'll be a tight play. Um, I'll communicate, give them my thoughts, and they'll say, hey, Dean, we're going to bring you on the air. And I just literally, I sit down, there's a camera in front of me, and I just talk to the camera. And I can hear the announcers in my ear, and we can just have a conversation. And, and that happens throughout the day. And there's a lot, for every time I go on the air, and, and maybe I go on the air once or twice a game, um, I'm talking to the producer um, throughout the game, helping them with something, maybe it's rules related, something, uh, my thoughts on a penalty. So I don't, a lot of the things that we do, it's not on the air, it's behind the scenes to help the, the on-air talent, uh, you know, kind of explain the rules correctly. Dean Blandino is a Fox Sports rules analyst for NFL and NCAA. Follow him on Twitter at Dean Blandino. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me guys. That was our interview with Dean Blandino. We hope you enjoyed it. A very interesting interview. I think it was perfect for the bye week because we got some NFL rules analystness in on this podcast. I <laughs> uh, worked for the NFL, NFL, and he, uh, you know, he was in the replay booth for many Super Bowls, like he mentioned, or a few Super Bowls, I should say. Giants fan growing up, we didn't even know that until the interview, so that was pretty cool. Uh, the David Tyree catch, I think, was the coolest part that he was in the booth and, you know, talking about that one. So, so I thought that was pretty cool uh, to me. I think we should move on to our week uh, week 11 picks now. But first, recap the week 10 picks. Alex went 8-5 and five, and I went 9-4. and four. And those are your week 10 picks. Alex, week 11, let's see it. So for week 11, um, starting with Thursday Night Football, we got Arizona and Seattle. Josh going with Arizona like a weirdo and me going with Seattle, who are going to bounce back. Um, Cincinnati and Washington, both of us going with Cincinnati. Atlanta and New Orleans, both of us going with New Orleans. Um, Pittsburgh and Jacksonville, that will be a a Pittsburgh sweep, according to Josh and I. Uh, New England, Houston, we both have New England. Um, Philadelphia and Cleveland, Josh has um, Cleveland, and I also have Cleveland as well. Josh has changed his pick 
It's a live change. He has well, changed. Well, no, because remember when we did our intro, I said that I had them beating Cleveland. I first didn't, and then I did, and now I just yeah, remember so that I did. It, it was a must. It was a must uh, change right there. Detroit and Carolina both have Detroit. You know, they're surprising. They're four and five already. Could go to five and five according to us. So interesting there. Tennessee, Baltimore. I have Tennessee. Josh has Baltimore bouncing back after that loss to the Patriots Sunday night football. Now on to the 4 o'clock games. New York Jets versus Los Angeles Chargers. We both have the Chargers winning this one. Jets, they shouldn't get a win this season. Miami versus Denver. That could be debatable. We'll see about that. Josh and Alex both have Miami in this one, speaking in third person, I guess. Dallas versus Minnesota. We both have Minnesota winning that one. They're coming back now. Green Bay versus Indianapolis. We both have Green Bay. I don't want to hear it, Alex, about Indianapolis. Division winners who? Kansas City versus Las Vegas Raiders. We both have Kansas City winning that one. And then the Los Angeles Rams versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We split in this game. Los Angeles Rams for myself and Tampa Bay Buccaneers for Alex. He says that they get the win. I think it's just because that he's a big fan of Tom Brady and he wanted to trade him for Teddy Bridgewater in fantasy, and that's really the only reason. So let's move on to the GiantTake.com. Alex, we'll talk to you about that a little bit. But first, I'd like to start off by saying my article is out now. It's about the Giants rushing this season. It's about us transitioning from Saquon Barkley to our boys now in blue, Alfred Morris. Yes, Alfred Morris, Wayne Gallman, and Deion Lewis. Sounds like a pretty good trio right there. On the giantake.com, you can see blog posts like Josh's new ones, and we also have a whole bunch of other ones up there as well. Um, you can listen to our episodes up there on the giantake.com. Um, you, you can subscribe to our newsletter and the homepage. You can click support the podcast, and that'll take you to our Patreon, patreon.com slash the giant take. And there you have a two dollar tier with fan requests, private community, and shout out on the podcast. Go follow Alex on Twitter at Adorian23. Go follow me on Twitter at Joshola29. Go follow at the Giant Take Pod on Twitter. While you're on Twitter, go follow our Chelsea podcast, Talking Blues Pod. Uh, it's the Chelsea FC podcast. I just said that. They're a team in England. They're in the Premier League. So if you want to go hear us talk about some Chelsea, go subscribe there on that one. That would be amazing. Go on Instagram. Go follow us at the Giant Take. Go on Facebook. Go follow us at the Giant Take. And then um, go to where, <laughs> wherever you're listening. Please subscribe. Drop a five-star review. If you can't write the review, you don't have time, You whatever, then just, just go to the ratings and go to the right and give us five stars. Press on that five stars. That would be great. That would be wonderful. Um, please share the podcast. Share with one friend. Share with friends and family. Share on your social media. Please make sure to tag us at the Giant Take pod if you're on if you're gonna do it on twitter at the giant take if you're gonna do it on instagram and facebook so we know that you did so and that would be also great some great things that you guys can do um that you got that you can all do you can all do that alex you got anything else i don't i think you wrapped it up very nicely i think you just told the whole story of everything everyone who listens to this podcast can do and that is going to be a wrap for episode number 61 of the giant take podcast I've been your host, Alex, always joined by Josh, and we'll see you next time.
Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.